Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Skinner. Wow. All right, some Southern rock for you, Leonard Skinner. I saw an interview uh, over the weekend with my guy Doug Gray from uh, Marshall Tucker Fans. All right, all right. And I need to, I've been meaning to write Doug or send him a text, and I need to do that. This kind of in a loose way reminded me to do that hey welcome in everybody it's great to have you with us uh breaking news to start things uh, this afternoon and that is the announcement that ecu is reinstating ecu and, and ecu athletics reinstating the uh women's swimming and diving program and the women's tennis program now you may say hey wait a minute Weren't these programs discontinued back in May, along with men's swimming and diving and men's tennis? And I would say to you, absolutely they were. But uh, then there was the threat of a lawsuit. The California lawyer who had had a successful Title IX situation with, I believe, William and Mary, maybe some others out there. And all of a sudden we have reinstated uh, ECU Women's tennis and ECU women's swimming and diving. Uh, the original statement on here from Ron Mitchelson is not on the list I see here. Uh, but he talked about the decision to do that. It looks like that fall of 2021. So uh, not this academic semester, but uh, the next academic school year, you will have those sports returning to uh, East Carolina University. So we'll hear from uh, John Gilbert, who was asked a lot of questions today about that in a uh, impromptu, in a sense, uh, press conference. They made this announcement this morning and uh, the press conference a little earlier this afternoon. We'll bring you the sound from that. Joe Dooley will also join us coming up later on on the show. Uh, Pirate basketball back and running. Uh, Joe also had a, a little bit of a... Uh, press conference today before the Pirates first game uh, back at home since that uh, really tough loss uh, on the road last weekend at Tulane. So ECU and USF this weekend. Uh, Plus, there's a lot more to get into uh, as well. But uh, let's start. I guess we could call this our Pirate Report. Well, first of all, let's say hello to Ben Byram over there. Hey, Hey, Ben. Ben, Ben, I I, I guess this is fair to call our Pirate Report today, right? Let's do it. I'm all All for it. Hit that beautiful bean footage. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right. uh, One of the things that John Gilbert uh, talked about today, let's do cut two here, Ben, and that is the reasoning for bringing back 
uh, these two programs and not their male counterparts? Well, we, we knew that we needed to provide it, um, you know, additional opportunities uh, for our female student athletes and our female population. And obviously, uh, as I mentioned in May, uh, specific to the swimming programs, the, the respect uh, that I have for uh, what, what our coaches and, and swimming alumni have achieved, um, you know, in the history of our men's swimming program. But this specifically was related to providing additional opportunities for our female student athletes. I forget who asked the question, but this was one that was good. This is the next cut on our list, Ben, and that is, you know, and I think they were saving two and a half million dollars with the uh, annually with these sports going away. Uh, obviously, that number goes down to half of that with the reinstatement of the uh, female uh, sports in uh, tennis and in uh, swimming and diving, and it's all to really get compliant, of course, with Title Nine. Uh, so let's, you know, the, what we were told in May, the financials on this were the reasons for it. Uh, what changed, at least financially, to make this make sense? And, and why not reinstate everything? Uh, John Gilbert asked that question earlier today. When we eliminated in May, with all the reductions, we, we were at, um, you know, I think it was 4.6 to $5 million in savings. We did not state that the Aquatic Center was $5 million. But we did clearly talk about the Aquatic Center. Uh, when we did this in May, uh, we were working with the Title IX consultant to uh, begin the process of a, a gender equity review. And so we, we will uh, follow down that gender equity plan that will be uh, a public document that our institution will use uh, to serve as a roadmap on maintaining our uh, compliance with gender equity, that that plan and review will be a total uh, assessment of our operations, which would include facilities. And so uh, once that plan is finalized, uh, we'll sit down and review that and determine our path forward uh, with our operations in total. So... Anyway, I, to me, this is is interesting because, um, I mean that that aquatic center needs a lot of work to get to a you know true competitive level. I, I asked him, and we'll hear this about you know tennis was renting facilities off campus. That's how non-compliant their courts and setup were. Uh, again, we'll get to that in a few minutes. But then this is interim chancellor, Dr. Ron Mitchelson. And I mean, it was just laid on the line. I think this is a, in light of what John Gilbert just said there about the, the financials and what have you, the, the, the question, did the lawsuit sort of force ECU back into the women's tennis and women's swimming and diving business? We knew that we had to make adjustments um, and roster management was going to be the primary tool. Uh, but it became clearer and clearer, even through self-scrutiny of the numbers, uh, that because of increased uh, a female proportion, uh, we're, we're headed towards a 60-40 split, female and male, at the university level, that we were going to have difficulty doing that simply with uh, roster management. So um, I think the adjustments were going to be um, 
uh, more dramatic through time. Uh, I can't tell you if we'd be here today, but it, it could be. I, I can answer that a little more. I mean, and, and what he's saying is true, but I mean, this, the, the, the webs, the lawsuit had sped up this process and this was the, 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 the thing that was the quickest and perhaps easiest thing to do. Um, and yeah, you know, the, the question is, were they considering other, other, I mean, beach volleyball is extremely catching on popular sport. I mean, just look how it is caught on here in Greenville at the youth level. And you have at least I know two other universities in the state that have it. Uh, one is UNCW, and that's been very popular there, as you can imagine. The other is uh, Catawba, which is a D two school out in Salisbury. Uh, at least as of last year, I, I did not know of any, and I doubt anybody in the pandemic has been adding beach volleyball. But I mean, it's a, a popular sport. We've seen the popularity in that sport here, again at the youth level, and. There, instead of allowing the time to kind of let these studies play out, the expedient thing to do, I guess, was that we're to have these sports back. Now, how it's going to be paid for is a whole other, you know, matter. Um, let's go back to the top of the list here, and, and they talked about financials, the athletic budget, nine million dollars saved, according to uh, John Gilbert. I think he was talking about what they've kind of saved to date. Uh, during the course of the pandemic with the cuts they've made, which did include, again, initially the, the cut of these sports? Well, well, certainly as it relates to our uh, budget, our budget has not changed. We still have the same issues in May uh, that we have today. The, the, those have been exacerbated uh, by COVID uh, in the many revenue buckets uh, that have been affected. Uh, we work. We will work on funding these through our operating budget. Uh, we have done a an extremely good job. I, I I do think that our both our staff and our coaches have done an excellent job uh, of savings. I think uh, between all the decisions that were made uh, in the month of May, certainly the uh, salary reductions, furloughs. Uh, operational budget savings. Uh, I, I believe to date we've saved north of nine million dollars in athletics, um, and, and so we've had significant savings. We, we still need to uh, generate revenue, and that's where our issue is. Uh, but I am hopeful that uh, that will be coming in the near future. Okay, so there's an obvious question about did you see this coming? We'll we'll try to get that in there. Uh, and get that to you in, in a little bit. Uh, he did say there are no plans for men swimming and diving to return. Uh, how many previous scholarship athletes are expected to return? Now, this is this is kind of interesting because really the, the program has been away for a year, if you look at it and think about it. So how does this, you know, impact anybody who, who decided to stay and complete their coursework, even though they were not going to have these teams this year? Uh, here is uh, John Gilbert's response to that. Yes. Uh, you know, currently I'm looking at my notes. We, we have uh, one scholarship student athlete for swimming and diving and three walk-ons uh, for women's tennis. Uh, we have four scholarship student athletes still on campus. And so uh, we have reached out to them uh, and we'll be talking to them uh, in short order to determine their um 
you know, their status on how they move forward. And, and so certainly once we uh, speak with head coaches and make formal hires in that regard, the head coach would determine uh, how, you know, all of those um, student athletes proceed. But my anticipation is that, uh, you know, we'll be kind, begin competition in the fall of 2021 uh, is when that would begin. So next, you know, the beginning of next semester, uh, next school year. John was also asked uh, today on this uh, news conference about the return of the coaches of those two sports. And he says he has reached out to them. I think he's had uh, direct conversations with the swimming and diving coach. Uh, indirect correspondence, which I would assume would be email or something like that with uh, the former women's tennis coach. And so there's an opportunity uh, to reconnect. And it sounds like that John Gilbert has every intention of reinstating them as the uh, coaches uh, of those respective programs. If those two coaches have have interest in doing so, and one would assume they would, but we shall see. Uh, So that is what is, uh, as far as that goes, that's what's happening again you know, what kind of upgrades will there be? There's been, you know, this big effort to save swimming and and we want to, you know, raise a bunch of money on GoFundMe or whatever. But I mean, you, that's going to take a lot of upgrades to get that program or to get that facility compliant to where it needs to be and and be a, a, a facility that can host events at a collegiate level. Uh, the other part of that is, you know, Tennis right now, and I asked John about this, this might be a good time to play this cut. Tennis has basically had to rent off campus facilities to practice because uh, the courts that are there, I mean, those courts have been there for years. As as an undergrad, Ben, I took uh, tennis in PE on those courts. And the tennis team was using them then, I think, back many, many moons ago. Uh, But they're going to continue to use and rent tennis facilities off campus. This is John Gilbert talking about that cut seven. Uh, Yes, our our position uh, has not changed since May, so we'll we'll continue to to work through that. Uh, But yes, that is our plan to to use the same facilities we have previously been using. So that's money going away there. Now, these are kind of a series of questions I asked him, bang, bang, bang. a lot of other stuff have been asked at this point, but I, I thought these were questions that could have been asked and, and should have been asked at that point. Was there, and it's what I was just talking about a moment ago, was there any serious consideration to add other women's sports to be Title IX compliant? You know, we, we had the discussion of uh, multiple options. Uh, at, at the end of the day, we felt like reinstatement was the best option. Kind of the path of least resistance, I would think. It, it, the the lawsuit or the threat of the lawsuit expedited this entire situation. And instead of being able to kind of take a a beat and catch your breath in this crazy time that's going on now, where you're literally trying to keep your athletic department afloat, uh, you get sued. And I know that's angered a lot of people. And that's, there's some people who feel like, well, why would these people do this to ECU? They have their own interests. They they don't care that ECU is and ECU athletics are drowning in red ink. They don't care. They want to have their sports reinstated. And you can argue whether that was a good move or not. You can argue whether other women's sports should have been started up to get Title IX compliant. But if you're if you're getting angry over the people that were a party of this lawsuit, I mean, it is, 
you, you can have a differing opinion on it, but they're, they're, they don't have the interest that maybe people who are upset that they sued the university because the university also has to pay 200,000 in legal fees. That's part of the settlement. That money will come from the university fund overall itself, but that's still 200 large going out the door at a time where every penny certainly counts. Um, and I, I just wanted John to reiterate this because this has certainly come up since this was something I first got wind of a couple weeks ago was, you know, it, does this mean any other sports will have to be cut? He said no earlier, but I wanted him to reiterate it, and he kindly did. That is correct. There are no plans for that. So no other sports, meaning men's sports, would be cut uh, in order to get uh, in line with with uh, Title IX. All right, this was a, a really good question, and I think it was Tyler Feldman who asked it. I thought it was a really good question about, I mean, how did you not see this coming originally? And Tyler really drove it home on him. I, this was the answer from John Gilbert. Well, well Tyler, I, I think uh, clearly you follow, uh, as does most everyone on this call, follow intercollegiate athletics. And when, when you lick, eliminate uh, a, a sports program, uh, certainly uh, there is uh, the, the threat or the possibility of litigation and so that that happens uh, has happened at you know multiple places. And as we discussed uh, the direction of where we were going, uh, we knew that that was a possibility. And ultimately, you know, back then we made a decision, uh, a business decision, uh, based on where we were from a financial standpoint, while still trying to um, you know stay compliant with. Title IX and, and all of those obligations. And so we're going to uh, continue to do that. Uh, our plan certainly uh, has been expedited and modified. Uh, and I do believe today was the right decision. So there you go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's really what it was the threat of the lawsuit. And I mean, it would not be, even though they're paying 200000 in the settlement. As Ron Mitchelson said today, when he was asked about it, this would be much more costly if you go to court and kind of fight this. In other words, it probably you're going to probably not win the case, and then you've spent all that money on your legal bills plus the suing party's legal bills, and then you have to spend all the money to, to start everything. So you are cutting some costs there, I guess, by going ahead and reinstating this. Again, I think there are better options. Uh, beach volleyball is one of them, in my humble opinion. Uh, it's a sport that is, you know, kind of catching on and will end up being a big sport in a number of years. I mean, there's certainly only a certain amount that you can you can have. But uh, to reinstate these two, especially with the way the facilities are, I, I just think that's a big, big challenge. And it just conference wise doesn't line up. It's 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 going to be interesting, but we'll see. Uh, and hey, good for the people who fought this to try to get it reinstated. I mean, they uh, again, they have their interests in mind, not necessarily university or the athletic department's uh, fiscal interests. But I mean, to be fair, they, they went the route they needed to go. It was played out and those sports have been reinstated. All right. Uh, interesting day to say the least. I don't think a lot more that can be said about it. Uh, Joe Dooley coming up in a couple minutes here. We're going to get to him next, actually. So let's break. We'll come back. Pirates on the floor of Minji's Coliseum. Uh, coming up on Saturday when they'll host USF. Uh, we'll talk to Joe Dooley about what his team has been up to 
and uh, many other things as they uh, get ready to return home following uh, probably their worst loss of the year, uh, getting beat by Tulane. So Joe Dooley straight ahead on the PJ Show. Lots to talk about with him. Don't you dare go away. Online or on the go. Love it. Log on to our brand new website, 943thegame.com. To listen to our top-rated programs throughout the day. You need to. Tell your smart speaker to stream 94.3 The Game to take us anywhere you are at any time. Getting the Pirate Nation home. It's the Patrick Johnson Show. The drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. And Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 1738. And we go to the phone lines now where a pirate basketball coach, Joe Dooley, joining us uh, here this afternoon. Pirates and USF coming up on uh, Saturday with a 1 o'clock airtime. Hear the game here on uh, 94.3 The Game. Also, 107.9 WNCT with a 12.30 uh, airtime on the network. Uh, Coach Dooley joining us here. Coach, thanks for the time as always. Uh, hope everything is uh, going well for you and the Pirate program during this uh, week of no games. Yeah, it's a good week to get some practice in and uh, you know, work on some things, get some kinks out, and get an opportunity to tip off again uh, with South Florida. Yeah, what are the big kinks that you've uh, – feel like you guys have had to kind of work out or things you guys have had to work through here the last uh, several days? Well, I, I think, you know, I thought against Tulane, it was not a typical, uh, we, we did a lot of things that were atypical of what we've done all year. So we tried to get a little bit of offensive rhythm, different playing against the matchups and all back-to-back games. And, uh, you know, I thought our, with the exception of turning the ball over, I thought, you know, we did a lot of good things uh, defensively, but the, our defense was put in harm's way because of our offense. We worked on some offensive uh, you know, efficiency, and you know, we did simple things. Uh, you know, we didn't pass catch well, which sounds simple, and it is simple. And we were we were poor at it against Tulane in New Orleans, and we got to clean some of our offensive things up. I know, uh, certainly, there were things, particularly offensively, you weren't happy with, but it, boy, your guys still kind of fought, and there they were at the end, uh, fighting to the very end. And, and you know, who knows what happens uh, in those late game scenarios? But I mean, in, in a sense, you kind of have a chance at the end. The way that the team has played, at least as far as playing hard, uh, has that been pleasing to you and the staff so far this season? Well, you're supposed to play hard on that. That I mean, I, I don't say this in a negative way. We, you know, you, we should be congratulating our guys. That, that's, a, that's a standard of every day you're going to try your hardest to play. It doesn't mean you play well. Uh, Tulane, I thought we had opportunities to win the game in spite of being minus 30 in the turnover, you know, points given up off, off of turnovers and off of free throws. And, uh, you know, the kid James hit a big three. It was the first three you hit all season. But when you put yourself in those positions, uh, those things happen. And I, I do think we've got to get it where, you know, we don't even, you know, talk about playing hard. It's a standard and it's something that we do, uh, uh, you know, every game. And uh, now the part of playing hard is, is, is part A, and then the part of playing smart is part B. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach Joe Dooley with his Pirates at USF uh, coming up. We'll get a uh, scouting report on uh, Brian Gregory's Bulls from Coach. Uh, we appreciate him taking a few moments uh, with us here. There were some uh, COVID issues that caused the postponement of the uh, Wichita State game and uh, caused you to be without a player uh, down in uh, New Orleans. Uh, as far as COVID uh status contact tracing everything with the program now what's the update on that coach we're in pretty good shape i mean i think the big thing is you know this is going to be a year of a you know a season of making adjustments and uh things are happening you know on the slide you've got to be able to adjust and adapt and uh 
you know, I view it as, you know, all these things like someone's getting hurt. Uh, you know, there's guys injured that are in or out for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's helped us as coaches because you're, you know, it's an hour to hour to deal where you're, you know, you might show up in the morning thinking you have 12 or 13 guys to practice and at three o'clock, you've got eight. So how, now how do you get those eight guys better? You can't sit there and feel sorry for yourself that so-and-so could practice or, you know, such and such happens. So uh, how do we get those eight guys better, get those guys ready to play and, when you add guys, we'll have to get them, you know, reacclimated, get them back in the mix, and try to get some rhythm. Can you give us any kind of update, Coach uh, Tristan Newton's status at this point? Uh, I mean, Tristan. I mean, we're, we feel comfortable he's coming along, and uh, we, you know, we're just going to take the advice of our medical people and see how this thing plays out. How I, I know you mentioned, uh, I think prior to going to New Orleans, you all had tested more than kind of the league requirements. I guess it's three times a week, and you all had had uh, had a string of. Uh, some days in a row where you were going uh, almost daily or, or more than that. Uh, is that still the case, or what? what is the testing schedule and regimen like right now? Well, since we've had a positive test, part of our policy is to test every day. So we, we, we've continued to test uh, to, to be cautious. Uh, you know, I think we've – I mean, I think since Christmas, I think we've tested every day with the exception of maybe one day. Uh, so part of it's part of our procedure when we do have a positive test and uh, to be, uh, you know, cautious and be make sure our guys are uh, safe and make sure they're in the best possible position to, to be healthy. So I, I think that's that's part of our, our policy. I got a couple other uh, guys I want to ask you about, Coach, but I, I think you've had a really healthy perspective on this and that uh, the guys, you know, are enthusiastic that they're getting to play basketball. It, it's a great opportunity for them to, to play basketball and, and something that – I know you've kind of talked yeah. to them about, you know, taking advantage of. You guys aren't first responders here uh, in any sense. Uh, but those tests every day, <laughs> I've had to have a couple in the last couple of weeks. And just uh, I can't imagine doing that daily. That's that's a pretty rough one. I, I, got, I have a lot of respect for these kids. And, uh, you know, but like you go back to, it's not like we're hospital workers or health care providers. Uh, we're doing this because we choose to do it. We want to play it get an opportunity to play this is importantly that's part of the sacrifice of you know if you want to play here's what we're gonna to have to do it this is a decision that we've made that we want to try to play and uh that's part of the policies and the health health and safety guidelines to keep our kids safe and uh you know i, I don't think anybody looks forward to it but uh, the alternative <laughs> is not being able to play and uh you know that that put, it sort of puts things in perspective and also gives you a great appreciation for the people that are out there every day you know, trying to keep our, our country safe and our, and our you know our people at the hospital that are trying to keep everybody safe. Absolutely. Uh, Joe Dooley uh, is with us uh, here, Coach, and the uh, Pirates uh, back inside of Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum, and uh, they will be uh, on uh, at 1 o'clock against USF coming up on uh, uh, Saturday, 1230 airtime here on uh, 94.3 The Game and 107.9 WNCT. Uh, Pig, Brandon Suggs uh, took kind of a, a tough uh, – Tough fall, I guess it was. Anyway, his knee bother, was bothering him. He went to the locker room, I know, against Tulane, but ended up coming back. Uh, health-wise, how's he right now? You know, Brandon, I think he'll be fine. He had a, you know, it was a bit of a tweak with his knee. The, the, the real problem ended up being that he kept cramping. So, you okay. know, we had to take him in and out because he was cramping. I mean, the knee bothered him a little bit. We were obviously concerned about that. He was checked out and was able to return, but then it was a cramping issue, and uh, you know, we got him back and got him hydrated. Uh, you know, I think he's moving around pretty good, so we'll, we'll uh, you know, we'll hopefully have, have him out there. A lot of minutes for Noah Farrakhan. 
uh, and uh, he's continuing to kind of progress along. Give us uh, your evaluation of where he is right now in, uh, you know, coming out of, of high school and a very high level of high school basketball to the D1 level. Yeah, he's definitely progressing. And I think the big thing is it just takes some time to, you know, figure some things out. A lot of it's, uh, you know, if, if, when you're the point guard, you got to pilot everybody, you know, on both ends. And I thought uh, he did a really good job of guarding ball at Tulane. I thought he did some good things offensively. Uh, he did some things that I hadn't seen as far as, you know, right, you know, we were hoping to see defensively where he's recognizing tags and rotations and uh, cleaned up a few things. And I, I, I do think he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to, you know, he's starting to see the picture and that, that's that'll be an important part of us going forward. Does, does he have the potential coach to kind of be an extension of, of you and the coaching staff? You hear that, that the really good point guards are, you know, he, the extension. He, of the he, he is, he's figuring that we need a, we need he and Tremont to be a little more aggressive, get downhill. And I think the one thing they've done is they haven't turned the ball over. You know, even the other day we turned it over at Alarm and great at Tulane, but you know, but Tremont and Noah combined, your point guard played 38 minutes and they, they turned it over twice combined. So I, I do think that they're they're conscientious about taking care of the ball, and not turn over. I, I do wish, I do think, and I, I hope they will become a little bit more aggressive getting downhill and force a help. Is that aggressive with their offense, or just aggressive in just getting the team in their stuff and doing what they need to do on both ends? It's both, both, and, and I, I do think Noah's got a knack for scoring. He he he's got a different gear, and he can elevate a little bit different. Uh, he he's actually more comfortable making a play off the dribble. Uh, as you can see, he can. He can freeze you with those hesitation. Of, of you and the coaching staff, you hear that that the really good point guards are, you know, he, the extension he, of the staff. He, he is. He's figuring that we need a we need he and Tremont to be a little more aggressive, get downhill. And I think the one thing they've done is they haven't turned the ball over. You know, even the other day we turned it over at Alarm and Great at Tulane, but you know, but Tremont and Noah combined, your point guard played thirty eight minutes, and they they turned it over twice combined. So I, I do think that they're they're conscientious about taking care of the ball, and not turn over. I, I do wish, I do think, and I, I hope they will become a little bit more aggressive, get downhill, and force a help. Is that aggressive with their offense, or just aggressive in just getting the team in their stuff and doing what they need to do on both ends? It's both, both, and, and I, I do think Noah's got a knack for scoring. He he he's got a different gear, and he can elevate a little bit different. Uh, he he's actually more comfortable making a play off the dribble. Uh, as you can see, he can. He can freeze you with a hesitation dribbler or a quick crossover and get to where he wants to get. Just sort of elevate, and has you know little fade to his game or a little you know sidestep where he can create some space. So uh, I do hope that he'll continue as as he keeps uh, keeps uh, feeling more comfortable to be more offensively aggressive. Uh, Joe Dooley, Pirate basketball coach, is uh, with us uh, here. We appreciate him taking a few minutes here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Always great to catch up uh, with Coach, and of course. We have the Joe Dooley Show uh, Monday nights uh, here on 94.3 The Game as well, 6 o'clock. Uh, so you can always uh, check that out as addition to the game coverage. Uh, I, we haven't talked about Jaden Gardner yet, probably coming off one of his more frustrating performances. Just looked like he had a, a hard time getting in a rhythm. I know you've been asked a ton of times, Coach, about uh, what did Tulane do. I, I think a lot of it, I'm not uh, knocking Jaden by any stretch. He just didn't have a very good game, just didn't play very well. Uh, was it a combination of all those things? What what did you see as you've kind of gone back and looked at the uh, the game film? I think it was a number of things. I think our whole team was out of sync. We were all just like a little bit off kilter. And you could, uh, you know, the coaches and the guys said we had a good warm up, and I felt pretty good our preparation. I thought, you know, we 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 had a 
couple of good days where we thought maybe this is, you know, we're, we're in pretty good shape. And uh, then we turned over and got a little disoriented early in the game. He just never really got in sync. Some of it was uh, him not, you know, touching. Then he, you know, he turned it over. At one point he had more turnovers and field goals. And, um, had a couple wide open shots that, that, that he didn't make, which he usually does. And then you can't expect the guy to be perfect every game. And uh, we were probably due for him to have one like that at some point. And, uh, came at a bad time when we, you know, when we needed, uh, you know, some more points. Obviously, you know, it was a low-scoring game, but uh, he'll bounce back from it. And I, I think it was a combination of him being a little bit out of sync, us being a little bit out of sync, and Tulane did a nice job. Yeah, I still say, Coach. I mean, that's that's a tough assignment uh, against a good coach in uh, a program like yours that's trying to, uh, you know, get to the next level. I mean, that that was a tough kind of draw for you guys. Uh, having this time off, expected this week, unexpected last week. Uh, you mentioned all the practices, but trying to get back in sync because it's such a rhythm game, especially offensively. How do you keep the guys sharp when you've had these sort of elongated breaks between games here? Well, that's been the, the biggest thing. I don't think it's just us. I think it's nationally. When you watch games, you know, it seems like, I mean, I I watched us against Tulane and watched the tape, and I was like, look how discombobulated we looked. And then you start watching other games and other things, and you're seeing people doing the same thing. and I think the you know guys have not gotten in a normal rhythm. Uh, we would have played probably about nine or ten more games already at this point in the season, so you've gotten a little bit of a rhythm. Uh, the the I think there's always a little bit of uncertainty of you know are we preparing to get canceled or are we preparing to get shut down or yeah. you know you you show up at practice and a couple of guys aren't there and uh, just a little bit. I, I think the kids have been a little bit off, and that's that's not a criticism. I think societally we're we're a little you know shell shocked right now and I think with the kids they haven't they don't have there's no normalcy um, which you know what they still get the opportunity to play and we'll make the best of it and you know we should be the last people to complain we're still getting to play and get to coach and have an opportunity to compete so uh, it's not going to be normal let's get used to it and, and uh, we'll be even more appreciative when it comes back to normal yeah absolutely uh, coach Dooley is uh, with us here Pirates and USF uh, when you think of this uh, Brian Gregory team uh, they get after it on the backboards, and they want to kind of play a low possession game. Well, you look at their scores; they're very they're adjusted pace on offense is very slow, uh, low low amount of possessions. I think it was 110 against Tulsa last night of total offensive shots. Uh, very good offensive rebounding team, one of the top 30 percent in the country at offensive rebounding. It, Darryl, Yetna, uh, Brown, all those guys are running to the backboard. Uh, they are very good defensively. Yeah, and uh, Brian Gregory's uh, really resurrected that program. I remember, it was it last year, they, they kind of flipped the switch and, and ended up having, uh, from his first to second year, whenever that was. Uh, it was his first to second year. Yeah. A year ago, they were, they were good. They had some injuries. The kid Alexis yet and was out last year. Yeah. Tore his ACL, and they've got a terrific, uh, you know, the Murphy, their freshman guard, the kid out of, is, a, is a terrific, terrific prospect, very highly rated explosive with the ball, uh, very creative. He and Collins in the backcourt are, are a real handful. And, uh, obviously, Yetna's back uh, this year. It's, have, it's off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, Coach, uh, one other thing that's kind of related to the season, non-related to, to this game Saturday, uh, as far as you know, recruiting, what kind of period are you in right now, and, and how are you able to kind of track? I mean, the Pirate recruiting uh, the last couple of years – has been really interesting. You were able to hone in a little more after uh, that initial recruiting class. But as far as that update goes, that's something a lot of people 
uh, ask about sometimes. I was just kind of curious to get an update on that. Yeah, we're dead. We're dead all the way through a minimum of the final four right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did sign three guys early. Uh, uh, you know, we'll continue to recruit. Uh, you know, I, I do think we'll have a, a good nucleus of our guys back next year. You always worry with this one-time transfer rule going into effect, how that's going to affect, you, you know, all not just our roster, but every roster. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll look and see what holes we need to fill later if there's any, you know, guys transferring, that type of stuff. But I, I think we'll have a lot of guys back next year. We've added three, and uh, I think we'll, we'll nose and see what the most, you know, what the, the best uh, fit we need is. And then, you know, we could pursue either a freshman or a, right. you know, maybe even a grad, tra- a grad transfer or something like that in, in the late signing period. Yeah, that, you bring that up. Uh, that, that one-time transfer, I mean, you talk about something that's going to change – college basketball program certainly next year and maybe for a couple years to come that's 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 a that's a real tough thing i know for coaches well i'm not a real big fan of it but that's i mean i i do think the kids should have their the right to do it uh you know like keep bringing up the example that coaches can leave well 99 percent of the time when the coaches leave if they choose to leave they have to pay a buyout to leave the school yeah so, I mean, that, that's, and I think for the kids, when you're in full scholarship, now I understand, I'm, I understand equivalency sports. I mean, if you're a person that doesn't get a full scholarship, you want to transfer and you're paying to go to school. I understand that time sure. yeah. that you should be able to transfer and not have to pay for a fifth year of school. Now, you know, in our sports that are, that are full scholarship, you know, we've invested in, uh, you know, the, the, the flip side of the thing is how is this going to, you know, impact? I still haven't seen any, any clarity on the APR. Yeah, well, uh, and uh, you know, the aspect of this whole deal. So uh, maybe I'll feel a little bit better when I see what the APR ramifications are going to be, and that'll be a factor also. Um, one other thing, real quick, and I appreciate the time as always, Coach. Uh, Final Four, uh, or actually the whole NCAA tournament announced it's going to be uh, held in, in Indianapolis or Indiana. Uh, majority of it in Indianapolis. I uh, don't know if you've got any, you know, kind of thoughts on that. Any talk to any other coaches what their thoughts on that are I mean I guess that to try to create some kind of bubble is the maybe the only way at this point to to pull that event off well you've got you've got you've got enough facilities there between the Pacers arena where the where the Colts play where IUPUI plays where Butler plays the proximity to both Bloomington and to West Lafayette where Purdue and Indiana are and the city is it is is prepared for that number of people because they have final fours there there's enough hotel rooms. There's enough banquet space. There's enough ballrooms. Uh, there's enough shoe round place where you're in the convention center you can have practice facilities and practice deals. And those those hotels are prepared for a situation like a Final Four or a Super Bowl. Uh, so I do think it makes sense. It's you know the, you know I think you know when you start thinking about the NCAA tournament, it'll be different, but that's the opportunity to play. And you know sort of like the NBA bubble last year. You know there's there's no asterisk. That's going to be it's almost harder. To, yeah. you know, it's going to be almost harder. Yeah. And, you know, you have to appreciate the, the process and the safety, you know, that they've got the hospital capacity to test and the testing capacity in Indianapolis that they can handle 68 teams. And, um, you know, I think it makes sense. Hey, Coach, thanks for the time. Best of luck against uh, USF. Uh, looking forward to the game Saturday. Thank you. Joe Dooley, there he goes. Uh, the Pirates and Bulls. Williams Arena Menji's Coliseum. You can hear the game right here beginning at 1230 on 94.3. The game Saturday, 1 o'clock tip also on the 
Watt flagship flame throwing big signal of the Pirates 107.9 WNCT. Uh, ben Byron will uh, update you, including some sports returning to ECU and a couple of Pirate football players find a landing spot out of the transfer portal. That is next on the PJ Show. Eastern North Carolina's home for the Adam Gold Show. Come on in. Weekdays at noon, right here on Eastern Carolina's home for sports. I love sports. And the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Ben Barham here for your 94th through the game sports update. ECU add women's swimming and diving and women's tennis to its intercollegiate sports effective immediately. Athletics will begin the process of hiring head coaches so recruitment of student athletes to the women's programs can also commence. A timetable of when competition will begin will be determined after a coach and staff is hired. Of course, during this meeting today, this prompted some to speculate whether men's swimming and diving will return. Here was the AD's response. Uh, there are no plans to add any additional Sports. Breaking news out of Pirate football, defensive back Robert Kennedy is officially transferred to Old Dominion, while running back Chase Hayden is transferred to Illinois, reuniting with former Arkansas coach Brett Bulimia at Illinois. Elsewhere in college football, former Virginia Tech quarterback Hendon Hooker is transferred to Tennessee. Alabama wide receiver Jalen Waddle has been, been announced as a game-time decision for their college football championship game against Ohio State. Waddle had previously been sidelined for most of the season due to a high ankle sprain and fracture, and Texas A&M quarterback that Kellen Munn is bypassing his extra year of eligibility, announcing that he would declare for the 2021 NFL Draft. Here's some local high school hoops tipping off tonight. The Eastern Wayne Warriors open their season at home. It's 1-0 South Central, 3-4 JP2 hosts the 4-2 Terracea Christian Knights. Dage Conley opens their season on the road against 0-1 Newburn. And 3-3 Parrot Academy bows 2-4 Bethel Christian Trojans down in K-Town. In college basketball, plenty of action tipping off tonight, but first some news regarding the NCAA tournament. NCAA announced team health and safety procedures for the NCAA tournament in March. Tier 1 individuals, including players, coaches, trainers, and other staff members, must have seven consecutive negative COVID-19 tests before arriving for their tournament. They would also undergo PCR tests every day once they get to the Indi- once they get to Indianapolis and throughout the tournament. All Tier 1 individuals will also be forced to wear a device that monitor their movements and aid in contact tracing. We start at 7 with some college action tipping off the night as 5th ring Iowa travels to Maryland. The Iowa Hawkeyes are favored by 5.5 points with the over-under at 152. 8th ring Wisconsin hosts Indiana. The Indiana Hoosiers are 8-point underdogs. The over-under at 130.5. We have an American Conference matchup between SMU and Cincinnati. The SMU Mustangs are 5.5-point favorites. The over-under at 130, 143.5. 8.30 top rank Gonzaga matches up against BYU. The BYU Cougars are the underdogs by 17 points with the over-under at 163. And wrapping up at 9, 12th ring Illinois battles Northwestern. The Northwestern Wildcats are 7-point underdogs. The over-under at 150. From the NFL, there have been multiple reports that Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson isn't happy of management. has told teammates he wants to be traded. Mike Evans is announced as a game-time decision for the Bucs wildcard playoff game against the Washington football team due to him hyperextending his knee in previous games. Panthers offensive coordinator Joe Brady has completed an interview with the Falcons for their head coach in vacancy. The Jets have been in talks with former Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis for their head coach vacancy. For Major League Baseball to 
wrap it up, the New York Mets have completed their first blockbuster move of the Steco and era as they have completed a trade with the Cleveland Indians for four-time All-Star Francisco Lindor and pitcher Carlos Carrasco. The Mets in turn sent stars shortstop Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez and two pitching prospects. In some more unfortunate news, former pitching great Tommy John has been hospitalized with COVID-19. For your 94.3 The Game Sports Update, I'm Ben Barham, the P-Man, to wrap it up after this quick break. Every Monday during the NFL season, get the latest on the Carolina Panthers as Jim Zoki from the Panthers Radio Network joins the P-Man. Bring on the good stuff, universe. This and every Monday right here on 94.3 The Game. The flagship station for the ECU Pirates. Just follow me. We're doing it for the ground. Check out picks from the PJ Show and more. Plus, picks from around Pirate Nation. 94.3 The Game, now on Instagram. So, uh, Jonathan Jones and our guy John Jansen retweeted this, and I love Jansen and I love Sean Yankee Boy Brace. We probably aren't aligned politically, but I, I do love those guys. Jonathan Jones, who is a great writer, covered the Panthers for a number of years, put out a, a column today, and Jansen retweeted it. That's really the only reason I saw it, saying that essentially Carson Wentz, uh, the way he's conducting himself, I guess what, ask you for a trade? That, that's all I know of. I mean, I don't think he's... And, and look, that. I'll admit, I, I don't know every single detail about Wentz's, you know, conduct since being benched. But, I mean, he wants out of there, right? He might have leaked a story, or his agent did. I mean, whatever. But Jonathan Jones, who tends to get kind of involved in issues out of sports, which is his prerogative, also his prerogative not to be right, said that, well... Wentz would be getting crucified if he were a black quarterback. Well, that didn't age well because a black quarterback reportedly wanting a trade, Deshaun Watson. I haven't seen anybody hammering Deshaun Watson, have you? No, I think, it, if anything, people are praising that decision. So I know. Make everything nowadays about race. That's the... Well, they try to create their own narrative. Like, I have not well, heard anything about Carson Wentz being a difficult to deal with during this process. All he did was ask for a trade. That's, I mean, that's how I look at it. But, again, trying to be woke center. All right. Um, coming up tomorrow, Cy Seymour, Nikki Novak. Thanks to Joe Dooley. Ben, go do some tax production. Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) There you go. Go knock it out of the park, baby. We'll see you tomorrow. Patrick Johnson Show.